All right, before we get started today, just want to give a shout out to all the listeners for keeping this show going and growing. And um, yeah, if if you are a listener, this is free, right? And uh, it'll always be free, right? Uh, but just do me a favor. If you like the show, if you're listening, you probably like the show, um, or you're just a glutton for punishment and want to hear my stupid voice and accent. But please share it wherever you uh, listen, uh, share it with friends, coworkers, uh, leave a review or um, a rating. You know, sometimes it's just a star. Sometimes you can uh, write words, whatever. Um, but wherever you listen, uh, leave a review, share the show and um, yeah. Uh, and subscribe and like, and all that stuff. All right. Appreciate that. Um, if you want to further support the show, check us out at patreon.com slash big truth. Um, there's a, uh, Way more options for how you can uh, support the show and get exclusives and discounts and uh, exclusive content and stuff. So check that out. Um, if you have um, a blank space on the wall, right, and you need to fill that with some art, you need to check out Tattoo Flash Collective. Um, they are um, they supply Tattoo Flash, the tattoo shots, but they also supply Tattoo Flash uh, prints, artwork, books on art and stuff to people uh, for their houses, for your office for your uh band's practice space you know your uh, your garage whatever so you want some rad art check out tattoo flash collective over at tattooflashcollective.com if you use the promo code big truth at checkout you'll get 10 percent off your order and if you're a patreon subscriber you get even more off so you gotta you gotta sign up to get that one so if you are a patreon subscriber uh, check it out um i made a post about that there's another promo code for you where you get even more off um if you are in a motorcycles check out my shop chopahead.com um is the website if you're not local if you're local it's a brick and mortar shop so come on in i get so many mail orders from people that live in the same town or the town over or like in a 10 minute radius just come by we're open for business every day it's a brick and mortar motorcycle shop come on in we got a, a parts counter a showroom and a big shop out back we do a, a full service motorcycle shop anything from an oil change to a full custom build everything in between speed work motor work fucking whatever you need so check us out chop ahead custom cycles 13 county road east freetown massachusetts um we got a bunch of swag online if you want to uh, get some uh, good gear you know some motorcycle and punk rock related gear uh checks out www.chopahead.com spelt in the most mass holes of way which is c-h-o-p-p-a-h-e-a-d uh on instagram we're at chop ahead and on Facebook, we're at Choppahead Customs and Customs with a K. We just want to throw everyone for a loop and make it harder for, for, for everyone to find us. Uh, but without further ado, we're going to get into today's episode. Um, I know some people might be tied to whatever religious uh, um, faith they have. So approach this one with an open mind. Um, and uh, yeah, tune in right now. My man Adam coming on right now. Yes, yes. Once again, we have liftoff. I want to thank you for tuning into this episode of the Big Truth Podcast. And I'm stoked to have my man Adam Ostrovsky here. Ostrovsky, Adam Dodge, however you want to do it, aka 
you probably know him as the Satanic Chef. Um, and uh, we're recording live on the uh, extra table here at Chophead because all the all the uh, motorcycle lifts are full. Um, and we got a special guest, Jack. Jack is his uh, his dog, five year old. He's five years old. All right. So if you hear some uh, if you hear some howls in the background, that's just Jack chiming in. Oh yeah, he likes to talk. He does. It was crazy when we were on the phone earlier, and you're like Jack talking. He just fucking stopped going. <laughs> I was like, damn, dude. That's I wish I had a dog to talk on command. That shit's that's a funny. Hey, it kept me busy during COVID. Oh, is that, were you teaching them that stuff during COVID? Absolutely. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. It's the only thing I interacted with. <laughs> so, yeah, again, wild times um, of, 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 of a wild three-year period. But, but so, I mean, you're, also, you're an author. Are you still doing, you doing a podcast? Or, or you I doing, was. You're still doing that? I'm going to start up again. Okay. Uh, either through the Satanic Temple TV, or I'm going to go also on YouTube at the same time simultaneously. I have to be careful what I post on YouTube because it's all regulated. Okay. Is it just like the, 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 the content, but you think they're really going to, what would you be doing? Would you be doing another chef related thing or more of just a general Satanism thing? More, more of the satanic chef doing that live. I'm planning to do one live in Alston at the model cafe. Nice. There you go. The model. Yeah. Anyone in Boston, if you've never been kicked out of the model, then you really weren't part of the Boston punk or hardcore scene. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone's got kicked out at least once or got no, at least one fight there. Well, you don't have to get kicked out, but if, if you haven't been there and you haven't gotten any altercation, then, um, you know. But if you do know the model, then you know what's up in Boston. One of the last of the old, uh, old, it is. old guard bars that are still around. Our buddy Kenny works there. Nice. That's who's getting <laughs> me in there. Now, so... What would YouTube have against a cooking show? Well, the Bible burning. Okay. Well, yeah. It, it could be promoting hate against a religion. Okay. And that I understand, but it's hard to get around the algorithm because then it already gets reported and you can't really fight that. So you have to find a way around that. Especially Bible, book burning can also be a problem too because that promotes uh, fascism. In yeah. some countries and other countries will automatically flag you for that, like Germany. So are you burning books to cook food? <laughs> I, I do, during do the middle of the performance. Oh, do you? All right, I all right. I lit like 150 Bibles on fire, at really? least. I've got burn marks in my hands from them and everything. Like, you see that? Like, oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. He's showing me... <laughs> uh, plastic that burns off the Bibles. It's cheap. It's toxic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we already lost a bunch of listeners, and if you stay on, like, fuck yeah, dude. Just cause, like, give it out. Um, you know, so one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, a couple of reasons, what, like, you, we, we got a lot of shared friends and, and background um, coming out of the Boston scene, and then also, like, the whole uh, your journey on being a chef and overcoming, you know, alcoholism and stuff, like your book, like, is, is super interesting. And the whole satanic angle um, is something I don't know much about, like I was saying, yeah. I, I know enough to be dangerous, you know what I mean? And to not have some of the misconceptions that some people have, you know what I mean? But I mm-hmm. think it's kind of important, like, I'd like to understand more about it just from, you know, just an anthropological perspective or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm always interested in learning about things. Um, I know that that world is probably something where there's a lot of misinformation or mis. 100%. representation, you know? So it'd be good to hear from, from you, like kind of what it means to you and, and, um, and in the, uh, you know, what you're affiliated with, like, you know, and I know there's probably different, like the same way, like with any religion, you know, there's different sets of Christianity, different sense of mm-hmm. Hinduism, you know, I'm sure there's different, uh, worlds within the, the, 
the general guise of Satanism, but like hear more about you and your perspective and what you guys are involved in. Okay. Over at the temple. And, um, and, uh, if you haven't been in Salem, Massachusetts, you guys have that, uh, the satanic temple there. And it's, I know it got some super national attention, you know, a few years ago because it's like a life size or bigger than life size Baphomet statue with like children and still there. Yeah. Yeah. People like getting their pictures taken on it. Like Santa (laughs) fucking every day, every day. They've they've got a little uh, thing you can put your phone on and take a selfie. Oh, it's a, it's it's that dialed in now where you can be like, yeah, just put your phone right here. It's all dialed yep. in. The lighting's good. The lighting's correct. Fucking got some nice lights in there for it. <laughs> there you go. So so yeah, I mean, look, tell me a little bit about like just you, you, well, not me, but like you know me and the the listeners a little bit about your background and how you found your way into like. Um, I mean, so full disclosure, I just finished, literally finished your book today. Like I, I picked up the phone and you had texted like, oh, we're going to do this. And I'm like, I literally just put the book down. Like, and, uh, that's incredible. It was, it was just, you know, it's just, uh, you know, what's that the synchronicity? That's something. what I was just about to say. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, uh, you know, I know the book was mostly about your journey, but I found also like the whole world of, um, culinary arts to be like that whole culture is fucking bananas like you know what i mean and Insane. i know and, and it's like you know me and packer have the bar and we have a kitchen now and it's like nowhere near what like an actual restaurant would be because all we're doing is one thing bar pizza like so it's a, a lot easier and less hectic but man i didn't know that there was so much ego and fucking craziness and fucking um like bullying, like a, for lack of a better word, and so much fucking bullshit that fucking line cooks and fucking chefs and fucking everybody fucking deal with, man. That's a wacky fucking world. But what what got you interested in wanting to to, to be like a chef? Like like where, where did where did that drive come from? Watching my mother cook growing up, I was in uh, a f- photography program at Bradford College. Okay, and uh, I was doing acting there as well. I'd been in some plays in high school of the lead. Judas and like Godspell and shit. And the college closed while I was going there. It's crazy. Yeah. There was also this rumor that HP uh, Lovecraft dated a woman because it used to be a woman's school that was going there. And he tried to curse her by burying one of his copies in the Necronomicon under there. So it's got this weird like vibe to it already. Yeah. Yeah. Fitting into the Northern Massachusetts kind of yeah. spookiness. But then I ended up going to Newbury College. While I was there, there's a culinary program. Uh, I got hit by a car, like right before my f- end of my first semester. I was trying to really get into it already, about yeah. you know moving to a new school after mine had closed and lost my, my family and friends there. They had all scattered throughout the country. And uh, it kind of made me think, I'm sitting at home. I can't use my leg at all for almost a year, probably more. Who knows if I'm going to be able to walk again? At this point, it shattered my leg in like three different places, compartment syndrome, fasciotomy happened, really had to remove diamond-sized parts in my skin, was exposed for weeks. I ended up getting staph infections that they found out later. Ugh, that's the you worst. Know, I almost, um, I could have died from it. And yeah. uh, Could have you know, lost your leg too. Like, you know, even if you didn't die, you could have lost, lost your leg. Yeah. That, that's gross. That staph is, it's so fucked up that. No one in the world gets staff unless you go to a hospital. It's true. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, right? It's because it's the dirtiest place in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's wild, man. It must have been from my being recovering over there and them changing the bandages, and it probably just lingers in the air or whatever. Yeah. And, but 
and I know someone's gonna cry. I know people get staff outside of hospitals. It's just anytime I've heard of staff, it's f- from a hospital. It is. <laughs> people, it's easier to get a blood poisoning from a hospital than it is to get in person. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, but, but I, I because like, it makes sense. No one's at the hospital because they're doing awesome. You know what I mean? I know. <laughs> you just got to be careful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, so last resort. Take care of yourself. Uh, a lot of the the drive for becoming a chef was sitting at home and watching people cook. Basically, my friend gave me Goodfellas on a DVD, and I'm watching that scene where all Ray Liotta, they're all in jail, they're all making yeah, the yeah. sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, this is the only thing I know what to fucking do. I'm watching The Sopranos. I was given season one and two on yeah, DVD. Yeah. I'm like this Artie Bucco guy. They're all eating all this amazing food. I need to get out of bed and make something like that. Fuck yeah. So. I'm actually, I've, I started rewatching Sopranos just like a few weeks ago. Like, really? I, I haven't watched it since it like first came out. And it's like, I'm like in season, uh, I'm getting into season three right now. So it's I funny. fucking love that show. Oh, I watched it, it like 15 times all over. What's the, what's the weirdest thing is I literally haven't watched it since it came out. No kidding. So it's like you're rewatching it. You forgot about all. Yeah, this I, I, you remember a lot of things, but you but you you forgot a lot of things. But the thing that's blown my mind is how much technology has changed mm-hmm. because it's set in like the late '90s, early 2000s, and they're all like on pagers and like flip phones are just yep. coming out, and it's but <laughs> it Steven. looks it looks modern because it's still filmed well, so it doesn't look like an old TV show or an old movie. But it's like, damn man, like that was fucking a long time ago it doesn't doesn't like in my head the sopranos doesn't seem like it was fucking 20 something years ago 100 percent. but it is like it's fucking wild man it's wild it's probably one of the best shows that have ever been on tv i think the screenplay writing and the treatment was very much up there with something like william shakespeare's macbeth it's just very very good to like look at the depth at the character of tony soprano yeah and like break him down even to this day it was so complex and it holds up like i was like you're saying like i think we're saying it was like I'm like watching it. I'm like, this is still as fucking compelling and good. And all the character development, like all of them, all the characters are fucking good characters. It's wild. A hundred percent. And you, you have to take a second back and be like, James Gandolfini was not like this, but he could turn on this character. Yeah. And there he was. And yeah. it's still to this fucking day. I, I, I have to like remind myself that's an actual person. Yeah. Well, so it's funny that you say that. Cause like uh, my bro slain, um, worked with Gandolfini on a movie and was like, it's so weird because you look at him and it's like, that's Tony Soprano. But like, he's like in real life was such like a good dude. hundred percent. And like, it was like, um, he was like given, he gave Slane all kinds of advice and like kind of mm-hmm. took him on his wing and was like, Hey, you know, like, you know, he's like, he was like the best dude. Really compassionate him. human being yeah. taken from us way too soon. Yeah. Like imagine what that guy would have done after that. Oh, you know what? Or, or could he though? Like, you know what I mean? Like it's tough. Like, I think he would have had a hard time doing a lot of other stuff, like because it was so iconic. It really was. Like, was, it would, was uh, unless he changed physically enough, it would be hard for him to do some other shit. I think he was doing that movie with Julia Dreyfus. Uh, uh, oh yeah, as yeah. good as it gets. I think something like, is yeah. that. With it? I, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I didn't yeah. see it. <laughs> uh, but uh, he was trying to outchange that character, and yeah. if he was still alive, I wouldn't be surprised if they did a reunion show or something. Yeah, yeah. But the whole character of Tony Soprano is just—he's basically the ultimate satanic character. If you look at it, you look at somebody like Anton LaVey. Yeah. And him, he's basically living kind of the same ideas in life, and just 
everything about him and the way he worked. So you can respect that also about Tony Soprano. Tony Soprano had compassion where everybody else did not. And he had to make executive decisions, which were painful for him as well as his own personal life. And that's Jack in the background. <laughs> Jack, 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 Jackson, you agree? To, you agree, buddy? Forced <laughs> to watch all that like three times already. <laughs> it's funny because he's sitting here pressed against my leg and I'm just petting him and he's just chiming in. He's such a good boy. This dog's the best thing that ever came <laughs> into my life. Come here, baby. Dogs rule. Dogs but, rule. Like, you know, watching the, the chef, Artie Bucco, he had so much problem, so many problems like every other chef. You could tell now, like watching it as an older adult, like what those problems were, like the burnout and everything like that, that, you know, he could have been great, but he wasn't. He, he did these things. He has self-regret. You can see that in his eyes. But being a 20-year-old kid that's laid up, I saw a guy that wanted to make food. Yeah, and yeah. I wanted to be like a chef because of that character. And that's why I enrolled in culinary school. I did not know how to cook at all. I ended up going in in 2002. And I, the first thing they did was they made me julienne or small dice, like, a hundred pounds of onions, literally a hundred pounds of onions. It was yeah. for the dining hall that they had. And those are some of my early memories of yeah. doing basic skills. So was that just to kind of almost develop muscle memory on how to do that upright? A hundred percent. Get faster and better and And they were tough. Efficient. They were tough at the time. You know, people could yell at you if they're your instructor and stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You had to shave, you had to wear a uniform. There were kids that were coming in there that were Obviously, they had been through a lot. They were tough, tough as nails, but they went in there, they were broken down. And that's the first time I ever saw people like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, growing into the passion for being, you know, a chef, you have to start from the beginning. I applied everywhere. Nobody wanted to hire me. You have no experience. You could start as an intern someday, but you need to go out there and work someplace shitty. Yeah. And I was like, uh-oh. So I went up and down Route 9. And then gave my resume to every chain restaurant until Chili's hired me. There you go. And I worked there for almost a year. <laughs> but it was important looking back on it. Not sure. only did I work at a Chili's, which is awesome, but it taught me how to speed up and, you know, really make things executable at that speed. Yeah. You don't get that if you're going to work in a Michelin-starred restaurant. You're working at one speed and plating. And then when you go and do something like that later on in your career, you can't execute as fast as you want to. And that's when you start making mistakes. You lose your job. You think that you're not good enough. And that's when the mental problems start coming in. So I'm glad I did that at that time. Uh, Plus that probably gives you an insight on the differences between like a corporate type and food environment versus a privately owned. A hundred percent. You know, uh, you know, a hundred percent. And that restaurant closed the floor fucking caved in. That's why fruit flies came up all over the restaurant inside and infected everything. They had to throw everything out. I took home like boxes of shit, yeah, yeah. egg rolls, but I also took home like mixing bowls and whatever I could get my hands on. Cause they were just, you, we have to throw this away. It's going in that dumpster that's out back. Yeah. Yeah. So I was home. They didn't give a shit if you took it right. Yeah. Cause it was just, no. like, just free up space in the dumpster for them to throw the other shit away. They were probably happy if you took it, right? You they were so it. happy. The, <laughs> the managers were just like, I'm so sorry. Just take whatever the fuck you want. Take yeah. this box of fucking steaks. 
Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, great. This is amazing. I have all this food. I don't know what to yeah, do yeah. with it. You living uh, with my parents yeah, at the time. Yeah. All like, your friends loved you that week. You're like, yeah, man, it's steaks. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or egg rolls or whatever, yeah. Chicken wings, whatever I got my fingers on. Fuck yeah, man. And I'm sitting at home. I'm like, I need to do better than this. So I went on the internet and, you know, I looked around and I looked in the Boston Globe because that's how you would get a job. Back then, yeah, yeah. You go on the back page, is there something for uh, Blue Ginger, a Wellesley restaurant that was in Wellesley. It was owned by a celebrity chef by Ming Tsai. Now, I discovered that this guy was the owner after that ad. I had no idea that this guy that I was watching on TV was the owner of this restaurant in Massachusetts. So when I went in for my interview, I told them, where I was coming from, and the chef there, John, he's like, yeah, well, before I worked here, a couple of years before, I did the same thing, pretty much. But you're going to learn things. And the job that I was applying for was a line cook. And afterwards, they were like, you need more experience before we give you this job. So this is what we have to offer you. Uh, it's an internship. It's $6.50 an hour for only 40 hours of the week. You're going to work 100 to 120 hours. Are you prepared for that physically? I know you had this accident. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. And um, I went in. I had another interview with the, the owner, and he was, like, giving me the same deal. Like, I understand you were doing this for the saute position. Well, this is what we have to offer you. Do you want it or not? I looked up at him, and I'm like, yes, sir. It's like, okay, great. Thank you so much. They'll send you out the door. We'll be looking forward to you working on Monday or something like that. So that's how it began. That's how I learned how to work in fine dining. Work your way up from the beginning. Yeah. I went through some issues there. I had mentioned in the book uh, in the beginning with another intern. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, that was one of the most important parts of my career. I left there and I went and worked at Sel de la Terre, which is the number one French restaurant in Boston. It was a sister restaurant, Le Spalier. Now, if you worked at Le Spalier, you were tough as fucking nails. Nobody would mess with you. <laughs> it was the place where plates were getting thrown at your head. If you didn't have them perfect, you had to keep your mouth shut. Couldn't say anything during service. It was treated so serious. People, politicians, Mick Jagger, Bowie, all these people yeah, were yeah. coming in there and you just, that was the, the whole world of fine dining. So this is the beginning stages of that. Uh, I worked there for almost a year. During that time, my family, my parents are coming back from like Foxwoods or something like that. And they got hit in the highway by a drunk driver. And they took them months to recover. And during that time, I was supposed to move to California, but I didn't. I stayed with them. And I also stayed working because I knew at that point, this is an opportunity to work through your grief. Because nobody's going to teach you that if you go off to a culinary school. Where I was going in California was California Culinary Academy. So I'm telling everybody back home. They're all rooting for me to go there. As soon as I get off the plane, there's someone shooting up in the parking lot <laughs> and taking a dump at the yeah. same time. That's San, welcome to San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, it, it didn't, and not much has changed. It's only got worse. Now there's like five guys doing it, like instead of one. On every, every block in yeah, front of yeah. every house. Yeah, yeah. And so... As a culinary student, going in there, I had experience, I had a resume, 
I could show it to my instructors and I'm like, I'm here to sharpen my knives and make myself be better. Yeah. And it was tough because I had to start all over again from the beginning. Yeah. And I accepted that. That's what I was going to say is there's so much like, um, what I noticed is like, like, it's like how the tattoo world or other, like this is stuff I talked about on podcast where the motorcycle world used to be like, there was a lot of paying dues. There is. And there still is, but it seems like I didn't realize how much t- fucking dudes, like, it's fucking wild, dude. Like, the shit you went through with, with some of these spots, like, crazy. Banana. And it's like anytime you got somewhere else, it didn't matter what your resume was. It was almost like you started again. All the time. And Every then, single fucking and like, place. Fuck you, you piece of shit. Like, fucking, this is what <laughs> yeah. you do. And, like, you're nothing. And we'll help. Or there was one place they wouldn't even hire you because you. Because you had experience, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, you're already fucked up." We want we want people that don't know. That's anything. true. They wouldn't hire me. They're like, "You're you're not green enough." I'm like, "What do you mean?" It's just wild. I'm, yeah, I, I, it was when I wanted to move back to the Bay. They're like, "No, you need to be right out of culinary school. Really dumb, thinking that you're going to get into this." And I want to fuck with your ego, and your ego's already broken. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to work here, we can arrange something, but I don't know if that's going to happen because that's not what we are looking for. Yeah, yeah. It's like psychological warfare. Like really <laughs> working in all these kitchens, man. Like it's kids that you know that you've seen that are the toughest kids in town walking into a place and just being told you're a nobody. Yeah. You're a number that you punch into that fucking computer. Yeah. And even if you get on salary, you better believe that you're something, but you're still nobody. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's like I've seen people that were, you know. You know, they were they were they were something in their own personal lives, but yeah. there they were just someone that kept their head down and their mouth shut. Yeah, it's all it's about is being humble. And the the other thing too is like how one person leaving, like the I forgot the guy's name that you worked with. Uh, yes, and then like one person leaves and it changes the whole. It changed the vibe whole, of like the kitchen or like the whole dynamic of the, the whole family. dynamic of of the whole place. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was my my dear. Friend Louis, he had left, and immediately it was replaced. Um, and I, I didn't want to do it. It just felt, it just wasn't my, my, my thing, man. Yeah, you got to yeah. stay with the family that you choose. You can't join into a new family, especially the one you've been working for, and start all over again. And that, that's when I learned that you need to suck that up and move on. Yeah. And that's when I started doing other things. And I kept doing this for years. I'd start over as a line cook somewhere when I was well-equipped to become a chef somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I did that until I was in my 40s almost. Yeah. I was an executive chef of places making pennies. I did this for learning. I was a sous chef somewhere. I made okay money, but it wasn't enough to get by in Massachusetts. I was a sous chef someplace right before the pandemic. Nobody, none of these, I was trying to get into corporate things because I wanted extra cash to put on my pop-ups that I was doing satanic shit. Yeah. But all those companies were like, a, I think a little scared of what I was personally. And yeah, yeah. I probably divulged information on my resume. Like I am the satanic chef and they yeah, probably yeah. were like, no, we don't want, the- <laughs> yeah, we don't want the satanic chef. No, <laughs> but it's funny to me, like how from a young age you knew that that's what you wanted to do you wanted to be the satanic chef i did and you just paid dues and paid dues till you got to the point where you, you could i did could do that it's fucking i wanted to be like through, yeah. what i saw on the food network all these voyeuristic like you know chefs that are doing all these demonstrations and that's exactly what i wanted to do yeah it's become a 
really cool thing that I'm building. Yeah. So we could talk more about that stuff, chef stuff as you go, but like this would be a good point for you to maybe, because um, obviously some of your career was stunted because people had misconceptions of what a satanic chef is. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> Jack's, Jack's roaming around. Jack's being naughty. He's trying to get his nose into something. Yeah, yeah. But um, why don't we, you know, tell me a little bit about the the Satanism that you kind of in, uh, subscribe to or envelop and like what what's the tenets of that like and you know what are the misconceptions or you know what you we don't even necessarily have to get in the misconceptions I think everyone has a preconceived notion of what they think that mm-hmm. is but why don't you just kind of talk a little bit about the philosophy of it and you know the tenets of it like you know because yeah I don't know anything about it you know what I mean it's, it'd be interesting to hear you know the only Satanism that I knew of was what was publicized Church of Satan. So the Satanic Bible came out, I read it, and I was also reading Siddhartha at the same time, which is about your individuality as a human being. Sure. How you gotta stand up for that and be yourself. What what made you pick up that Satanic Bible? Was this when you were a kid probably? Yeah. Because like, everyone, I, I think I had the Necronomicon, and yeah. everyone had like, like, we were looking for weird knowledge, you know, it was like, weird shit, you know what I mean? It was like every, re, we, we call them reactive Satanists, the people that were going on being like, I'm the reverend of the Church of Satan in their, in their, in their, in their lives as musicians or artists. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to learn the same thing because this is fucking cool. And I'd been watching a lot of Star Wars. I wanted to be a Jedi. I figured this was the closest thing to it. <laughs> so I read through the book. I was very young. And then I decided that in my own mind, I was just going to create my own way of it working for me. And that one of the statements is like avoid all um, ingrates and things like that. People that don't respect you. It's very much into your, in like life as it is. So the church of Satan at the time was the only thing that was available. And I got really into Anton LaFay as a person who he was like, I figured he was this great, great, amazing God as a human. Definitely an interesting a lot of character. Flaws. Yeah, 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 definitely an interesting character. And I'm not talking bad about him in my book. I'm just stating a fact that somebody like him who didn't get help, that was the product of his family, which is his son, uh, and the downfall to somebody's life. If you don't take those initial steps to really want to change yourself internally, you're going to fail. You're going to decease. And that's un- unfortunately the story of Anton LaVey, in many ways, but we can get into that later. And he's still in many ways a hero to me and a lot of people. I'll never forget that. But uh, Satanism was something that I learned in an early age, which was non-denominational. There is no theocratic oath that you have to sit down and pray to a god or Satan. It's more an atheistic kind of view on things, where it's an idea, or as, you know, if you get sober, you have something called a pink cloud, a little warm energy device that you you follow and you call that your higher power and the more you feed into it the more it gives you you know this way to succeed i figured that satanism was the same way like it was just something that would you know be along those lines and uh it was an esoteric way of doing that so i started reading things like crowley and trying to contact a being that crowley had supposedly contacted because i was very much into ufos yeah yeah and uh, very much into the X-Files. Sure. And so, 
these are things that go through a kid's mind. And uh, how old were you at this time? At this time frame, late teenage years. Okay, um, into my early twenties, especially when I started cooking again, when I was cooking for the first time. I had, well, previously when I was fifteen years old, I worked at D'Angelo's. Okay, slinging like I didn't know that there was this whole other world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you kind of follow your own statements as a chef and. You know, you're not getting down on your knees and praying to a deity at the end of the day to carry you through your fucking service. You are doing this on your own. That's where I see Satanism. It's very much the same way. You're kind of like the rebel of society in many ways. Like, you know, you can feel that way if you want. Uh, you can also treat yourself as the most professional person that you could ever achieve to be, which is what I do. Um, Satanism to me is a, a combination of all those things and it was something I went with. So, um, yeah, that's. So it's, so it's a, like you said, it's like a non theistic view. It's it, um, correct. So, but there's obviously other kind of forms of Satanism where it does have more of a theistic viewpoint or is there like, I don't know, like, but I, I, can tell you over a period of time that there have been. Yeah. Mostly back in like the 15, the 1600s. Okay. Uh, you know, people had done paganism. People have practiced paganism. And people started doing things like Satanism. They were immediately prosecuted. Basically, they were doing theater acts of, with goat heads and things like that and fake sacrifices. And they were immediately prosecuted by like... Um, I don't know, the king of France or something sure, sure. like that. And uh, that's something that's been going on for a long time. The church has always wanted to own every single country, you know, the Church of England, for an example, uh, and Massachusetts, mostly Catholic church, you know. So you have that way of thinking where people think abide by those religions that everybody that worships Satanism or thinks about Satanism is worshiping a devil. A lot of that is anti-Semitic thinking and made up in part to Judaism. The, Ju the roots of Judaism talk a lot of things, you know, that I can't take them off the top of my head right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. But, you know, that Crowley even ripped off and put into his own th writings. And I think that that's the misconception about Satanism. Okay. So, is it, is it, so it sounds like it's more like a philosophy and like guiding principles? Correct. Like, like almost psych psychology or? A hundred percent. Okay. Mind control in many ways, getting people to realize that they're not tied down to a deity, that when they take something like a sip of water, they're not taking it for a god or if they do something on a daily basis. It's not going to get them into a place after they pass. So how do things like, um, like you said, like, um, and this is just me asking like, and, and probably it doesn't in your worldview, but in the, in the general population, people, when they think of Satanism, they're thinking of, of like, um, 
you, you know, like rituals to like demons or things like that. How does that play into the, the worldview of like a, like a Satanist? Like you guys like just doesn't or um, like where do those things fall? Like, cause like imagery, it's just imagery. Rea reactive Satanism, reactive Satanism could be, well, there's, there's earlier things. William Blake, the writings of William Blake, the paintings of William Blake, those coming out, those were considered terrifying at the time. Yeah. This guy's trying to be reactive, to get a reaction out of people. Someone, um, someone once said that that's a way to get attention. Okay. We see people doing that in politics all the time, whether it's uh, a Democrat or Republican. Somebody's going to say something to, that's fucked up, and they're going to get clicks. They're going to get likes. They're going to get views. Somebody's going to buy their shit. They're going to make money. So a lot of... Satanism is made up of bullshit. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, it's just, it's, 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 so it's just a lot of imagery. 100%. Imagery to shock people. And the Freemasons use imagery all the time in, in the way their whole structure is simulated. So think about it like that. Like you're, per, per, you're doing a ritual, which is more of a, a way to show your companionship to, to everybody else around you and help somebody get through a problem that they're having internally. Okay. A way to release those internal struggles and move on. Sure. So there's that. And as far as using Satanism as a weapon, we could talk about that later. But Satanism imagery is fucking cool. Because, you know, you know it's, it's fucking cool. Okay. But yeah. at the same time, it's misconceived. Yeah, and that's what I was, you know, trying to get at, because, uh, you know, just to try and understand even personally, you know, because, like I said, I don't know much about about it. Um, but, you know, you do see things. So, like, where would, for you, right, just instance, like, things that are, because we were talking about this later, in the world of the paranormal, whether it's possession or ghosts or things like that what is is there like a satanic view on what that stuff is or is or is it just like that doesn't even exist or like you know what i mean and i know i can't lump it all together like cryptids is a different thing than like a ghost versus a poltergeist or versus like a you know a, a, a demonic possession or something as long as it's not looked through the eyes of satanism or through an eyes of a theistic sense it's fine in my own if it's scientific it's fine if you okay. ufos are real. I hate to say it. I love that shit. I yeah, love yeah. that shit since the fucking beginning, dude. Yeah, yeah. You know? But a lot of it does have right-wing uh, fundamentalist, you know, ways of talking. And I can get into that with you, too. Sure. I, I'm just trying to see, under, under, understand it all, you know, and, and uh, let, let you bring it out so that people, if I don't understand it, most of the, many of the listeners probably don't either, unless they're already involved in, you know, in the, in, in some kind of satanic situation, you know, a hundred percent. I think we can look at something as an example. Um, the, the book, the elders of Zion, have you heard of it? Yes. Yeah. You know, it's so like that book came out all of a sudden people are like, wow, the Jews are terrible people. They're really into this shit. People believed it. Yeah. Yeah. Enough that it would cause, you know, the Holocaust. Yeah. That's the danger of voice and speech and saying things. Or printing it, and then it yeah. looks, looks more real when it's in print. 100%. So Satanism is just 
people wanting to do these things, these rituals, with the imagery of Satanism in many ways, because it makes them they believe in it. But it's not about sacrificing something for a demon. There's no demon that they believe is going to come out of the ground. It's yeah. the same thing with UFOs. Like, you can't do a lot of rituals to get UFOs to appear. UFOs just fucking appear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, like, weird because, you know, there's, like, this thread, like, of, like, um, and the UFO kind of, um, or alien phenomenon is, like, kind of, like, come around a little more where like people aren't saying, Oh, it's extraterrestrials from another planet. Now it's like more of an interdimensional thing. hundred percent. Or like, it's just classified as some like non-human intelligence. There's something like whether mm-hmm. it's exists here, another dimension or another planet. And you know, people aren't sure, you know what I mean? But, um, and it, it gets tied in. Sometimes that gets tied into demons or angels, right? Like it does. And, or, you know, a lot of times it does like, and it's like, um, you know, is there like a, a, like a, do you have a personal perspective on that? Or is there like a, there, there wouldn't even, sounds like it wouldn't even, through the, through the satanic church, there wouldn't even be a perspective on that, right? Because no one's looking at it in any the, theistic type way. But for you personally, like, um, like, uh, where's your, because I know you've been into this for a long time, like, where's your thinking? And I know you've done work with a lot of people in the UFO world, but what what's your thinking on this stuff? Like, and it, and it, to me, I'm like, it could be any of it, right? It could be all of it. Extreme racism. What's that? Well, things like ancient aliens is a great example. Saying that, oh, they looked at all these things, and it must have been aliens that helped them build this thing. Okay. There's no way that they could have done that. That's basically saying that an indigenous population couldn't be smart enough to create something. Yeah. Maybe they were. Maybe they did create that on their own. Well, People there's a lot of- talking about that. Yeah, there's a lot of theories now that there was, people had a different intelligence- Back then, there was like there was, we there, peaked at that intelligence. There was more. There was a there was a, a technologies that we still don't understand at play, which you can see physical evidence of, like the way some of the stone was mm-hmm. cut, and like you know, like in some of these pyramids or structures, like um, like s- such precision, or it looks like the rock was just melted into place and things, um, mm-hmm. but that something happened and those societies died off and we lost that knowledge. And then now this is a new iteration. And there's, you know, the thought that there could have been multiple advanced civilizations on Earth through the mm-hmm. lifespan of since the Earth has existed. And, um, you know, people are trying to show evidence of that or even evidence that like the things that we think were a thousand, a couple thousand years old are actually significantly older, like the pyramids and stuff. hundred percent. I think that technology peaked in a lot of civilizations over time. Yeah. So you can't give somebody... Each, each and every single civilization that was on the planet might have created some kind of mechanism or something like that. That's really amazing. Why isn't it being talked about? Because the way that other countries that are, you know, have conducted themselves with those countries. Slavery is a good example of that. There's no way these people could have created something amazing on their own that they had. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's a, I don't know, a motorcycle. They had their own version of it, somebody did, let's say. But there's no way they're that smart. They're ingrates. Mm. That's why we need to take them and 
sell them to people here in America too and make money off of that, the whole slave trade. Yeah, yeah. It's the idea that we can just come over here and wipe out the entire population of indigenous people and then make them go to church and believe in a God. I think that's all tied into that. And there's that world of UFOs that nobody's really talking about because it's fucked up and it gives the church more money. Mm. That's all it's doing. What, because people are reactive, like that, um, worried of, like, why, why, like, how would people think people's thoughts about UFOs um, tie into people's support of the church? You know, example would be yeah. uh, the Church of England. Okay. Church, you know, yeah. they, they owned South Africa. Okay. And until apartheid ended, you know, yeah. anything that was going on with the indigenous people there, they, concerned that it was as far as they were concerned they, were, they weren't able to create anything good they didn't do anything you know they're worthless that's their way of saying that we can take their fucking land and tax them and make money off of them mm. so that feeds into that narrative that the church has really gone with and including governments and that's not talked about in the ufo community yeah. people aren't talking about science-based facts yeah it, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it's wild. There's so much out there. My whole thing is, you know, what's interesting to me that I would love to have people do more investigations in, and there is to some extent, but, you know, the whole idea of pyramids mm -hmm. and how they're in, you know, the slight differences, but by and large, you know, there's pyramids all over the world. And they're finding mm -hmm. new ones that they won't uncover on purpose. Like, that. Like, what was it? Like, um... Where's the one, it was like Russia or something, where there's still one that's covered. Mm -hmm. But they've done some research and the, the, some digging, and they're like, yeah, there's a, there's a pyramid under there, but we're not going to uncover it. I think there's a simple explanation to that, is that the world was already connected back in those days. And there's no way for an indigenous population, like the Mayans, to be able to figure out how to contact somebody in, in Egypt. Maybe yeah. that's being suppressed from us. Why? Because... Both those countries got invaded. Yeah. One got invaded by Spain. The other one got invaded by England. And they took over every single population and they wiped them out. Yeah. So you, you can't look at this whole world, which is built thousands and thousands of years ago, and say, these people weren't all communicating in some sort of a way. They, they had found their way across the ocean. They had communicated. They had worked yeah, together in slave, uh, sorry, not slave, in trade routes yeah, yeah, with yeah. each other. They were making money back then. But you know what? It's going to wipe out all that history and say that they were dumb and they couldn't do that. Yeah, it's bananas to think about, though, because, like, you know, you look at, you know, Central and, and, and South American pyramids and you look at, like, Asian, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you know, then obviously, like, you know, um, you know, the ones in, in the Great Pyramids in, in Egypt and stuff, and it's like, what the hell was going on, man? I can't believe no one's doing more investigation into this. You know, there's always there's all kinds of people theorizing, but I can't believe that there isn't more like serious government funded. I can, but you know what I mean, like, but more like literal funded, real scientific kind of exploration of this stuff. It's bananas. Like, there's, there's and you know, even where the pyramids lie and how they're set up, like, there's so much craziness around that like they they align with certain uh you know st st um constellations or mm -hmm. like they're on like certain like ley lands of you know ley lines of land and things and like um where they're located and how they're laid out like there was either it's like the 
the greatest happenstance or it was the most planned thing ever. You well, know? They were just as intelligent as we are nowadays. Or more. And they had they didn't have things like cell phones and cell phone towers. They yeah. communicated and had trade routes yeah. and they all made money off of each other. And they saw things in the sky, which inspired them to build things. Yeah. And maybe the things in the sky were interacting with them more because they didn't have the te technology to turn on a TV and have, you know, wires all over the place that's being funded by an electric company that's making money off of burning fossil fuels from one of those fucking countries that's brought here. Yeah. And, you know, it's all bullshit. That's yeah. all it is. It's all for the human existence to believe a narrative, which has already existed. What happened to people? Devastation, you know, earthquakes. People invaded those places. They killed thousands yeah. of people. It's, it's like, the easy way to say it is, okay, the Mayans were, were connected with ancient astronauts and they built all these things to worship them. And then you look at something like the Mexican, I think it was the Mexican government that came out with those fake bodies. Yeah, yeah from Peru, and those are all dug up bones from indigenous populations in that one area that were reconstructed from children's bones into little little creatures. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. people believe that they're ETs. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like funding the same bullshit. What do you think of like the Prakas skulls and stuff like that? Do you think that was just indigenous like head wrapping or do you think there was kind of more to, to that? Well, because it's weird to, I think it's hard to parse out the real science because they're like, you see some things, well, they studied it and it's that's not, something I don't, I don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. But I can tell you that people were doing that shit just like they stretch oh, yeah, out their yeah. earlobes here yeah, or their necks. Right? Yeah. All kinds of shit. People doing crazy things to their yeah. bodies and body modification. Yeah. I think that maybe somebody it's, if there, there are interdimensional beings or extraterrestrials that looked like that. Maybe they want it to look like that. Yeah, emulated or something. You know, maybe that's the case right there. Because everybody's tested these bones, and they all come back positive as being human. Yeah. So Because that's what I'm saying. Because some people say, oh, no, the skulls, some of them came back and saying it wasn't human or vice versa. You know, and it's like, it's hard to... The problem in this day and age is that there's too much information, and it's too hard to get actual information. Because you could just, you know, you could say whatever you want and type it up and make it look official and... Mm -hmm photocopy something 30 times and make it look old and crinkly and cross a couple things out and be like, I came across this document and blah, blah, blah. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it, it, that's the problem with everything today. It really is. And it, you look at it like this, the church of England was in control of this narrative until like 1775 in America, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? So they wanted to control this whole thing. They invaded all these countries. They took over their technology. They suppressed them. So give them give people a reason to enslave people. They, a lot of these people did that shit. Yeah. It's all about them making money and not about facts. Yeah. Things like crashed vehicles and stuff like that. Let's shut that up, but let's make up a scenario that, you know, these, these, these cultures could have never really like created a fucking badass, you know, hog over here yeah, yeah, yeah. on their own. This, uh, you know, something had, help them but let's not tell the public that they even created that until we release this information to the public about extraterrestrials yeah so i think that might be the scariest thing to think about with disclosure that's going on as far as religion is concerned 
people are going to believe whatever the narrative tells them. Yeah. So if they come out and they say something exactly different, like, well, actually, these indigenous cultures that were raided and all this stuff, they actually weren't smart enough to interact with each other and create things like that. They were all taught to do that by ETs. ETs have been around forever. You know, give us your fucking money. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. Gonna, we need to go drill a hole in the ground and get more oil out of where you are. Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of that is, is truth. And uh, I think when, if there is some kind of disclosure on this whole thing, people are going to be shocked and confused. And there is going to be a narrative push that this is like that that this is your religion. This is what your religion is based off of. But I know people that have been involved. See, I, I don't believe in really a deity after life, you know? Yep. What I believe is my own personal beliefs and they revolve around energy and sources like that. So sure. that, that's, that's just personally. And I could talk about that forever, but as far as I'm concerned, telling people that somebody is not smart enough to create something unless they had an intervention that helps the world feel a calm and know and believe that, you know, Jesus isn't real, but there's people in the UFO community that are Catholics. They're devout Catholics, but they still know the secrets of what's going on. Uh, couple people that I've talked to, they're like, yeah, we know that there's multiple things, multiple civilizations, as you can call it, or beings probably visiting us, but I'm still a Catholic. I still believe in that. Yeah. Or I'm, you know, so I don't see this ending very, very well for people. Yeah. I think, and this might be where you say it, it's like, no matter what it is, whether it's uh, spiritual beliefs, um, beliefs in whether it's uh, extraterrestrial, interdimensional, or non-human intelligences, or just traditional religious beliefs, um, human greed fucks it all up. It does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you don't know what the real story is, right? Because it's like, did it, were we in contact with others? entities or civilization uh, not when i say entities i mean I mean non-human intelligences at some point in life or mm -hmm. were people just so smart and in tune with things did we were we smart enough that we contacted them and they came through a door right like who, who knows what happened because there's no record of that history or that time or they've already always been here and we were able to contact them through yeah. things like meditation sure and like it's another dimension in mm -hmm. this type of space like but you know, it's like. But don't meditate. Get on your knees and pray to a god and hum. Yeah, sure. That's the best way you're going to get in touch with Jesus. He's yeah. Gonna touch your. He's going to. He's going to tickle your butthole. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. Or or whatever, <laughs> whatever uh, prophet you believe in, um, and, and it, it's 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 it's, it's dark, really huh? bizarre because it's like because not only that it's like who else has a stake in this? Energy companies, uh, you know, like gl global. <laughs> Jack's on a mission. He is. Um, you know, you got energy companies, you know, multinational corporations, the, the real power structure nowadays, like, um, you know, military industrial complex, like, you know, uh, military contractors and defense contractors and the people who, if there is a craft, who allegedly have that craft and are reverse engineering it, you know, and things like that. It's like, well, no, I, you know, 
it's like you said, whatever the story is that comes out, like everyone's going to have to take it all with a grain of salt. Like, but it's like when the government is getting ready to is saying, Oh yeah, yeah, there's, you know, we have video that we can't explain or we, we or government contractors. Device. Yeah. Government contractors saying, yeah, we have craft that aren't of this world and not explaining what that means. Um, it's a really weird time because you want to be like, what's the angle, man? You know what I mean? Like, what, like you know, like what kind of bullshit are they going to push through? What do you got, buddy? He's got something in his mouth. Jack, yeah. come here. Yeah, and you know, you know what's going to happen? There's a lot of in, there's a lot of interesting but potentially dangerous things on the floor of this shop. So yeah, if we get a, he'll be fine. Where yeah. is? <laughs> but you can. Sorry, I, I am listening to you. Yeah. Oh no, of course, of course. Um, but uh, but yeah, I know it's just it's just a, a a bizarre. There's a lot of weird things at play that make it hard to find out what the real deal is. You know, you could look at the basics. I mean, how do we get around through fucking putting gasoline in our cars? Yeah, right. So what if there was a device that could create its own energy and it could power a house, and it only costs um, a couple hundred bucks to make? What the fuck would that do to all the, the electric companies? Well, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's like there's too much corporate, um, there's too much money and control on the board. You know what I mean? Like, because they even get into things like with like, you know, yeah, these energy sources, alternative energy sources that could, could you know, power cities for free. Like, no company is invested in that. You know, no one no. wants that. You know what I mean? Like, no one has. Electric company, oil company, gas company, like, nobody wants to deal with that. Um, that's the problem, man. With uh, with with uh, sorry, it's all good. I'm uh, Jack's so awesome. Jack's amazing. He's the happiest, he's, happiest little dog. He's, his tail has not stopped. He's like, yeah, dude, we're just fucking hanging out. He's eating shit off the floor. It's fine. Yeah, you got you giving him plenty of treats too. So, um, where does like for you guys? Um, but I understand where where we're all coming from is that it would destroy the whole fucking world. We'd wonder like, why did we? lie about these things why do we lie about these cultures to get over them yeah get into them and drill holes in their fucking ground and take out all their minerals or fucking rip apart their copper mines and shit like that yeah. or slave these people like, or it even was all it, a joke we, we knew it all along fuck yeah. you <laughs> or even the other way if there was extraterrestrial or interdimensional involvement in mm -hmm. human development why was that kept from us you know what i mean it's it's all yeah. of it. it all of it is like you know they know something we don't and then I'll tell us whether it's something or nothing. Like, cause they could just be like, nah, it's none of it. Like we're just fucking around. Like we just, you know what I mean? Like the, it's the same thing with Satanism. If they're fucking around, it's, it's, it's obviously for a reason it's power and control and money. You know what I mean? But it it's really like, is but, It's easier to call somebody a devil worshiper and a baby sacrificer than it is to say, well, that person's just very spiritually in, intact with themselves and has found themselves through something like sobriety. And they're using this as, their own vice and it's helping them. It makes them happy. It makes other people that are like them happy. Yeah. And that's what matters. But we can get into how that's all played into things, including music over the years. But it's just because you guys use different symbols that it. Yeah. The pentagram, anything devil related. What, um, where does Satanism stand on basic things like, like good and evil? Like, I know that sounds like a really basic question, but like, you know what I mean? Like same as me and you, man. Like yeah. if we know somebody is is fucked up, and yeah. they're a danger to kids and people around them, usually that that's the same thing. It's like evil. Somebody like Hitler, fucking evil, yeah, decided yeah. to 
that's evil. Somebody that's good is somebody that's, you know, kind-hearted, will do something for anybody else. It's the same principle. I know. I just mean, like, because, like, but yeah, that's yeah. one of the misconceptions is that people, Satanists, are in league with evil, right? Like, that's, 100%. that's probably the main big misconception, right? Like, which, which scares the shit out of me because this is all reflections of the elders of Zion on it again. Yeah. It's like another level of it, but on a more modern sense where this is just common sense shit to a lot of people. Yeah. And that's scary. That's, that's where you have fascist takeovers and dictators and the loss of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild stuff, man. Um, but that's Satanism. Satanism, you know, back in the 80s, Slayer came out. You know, things like that. King Diamond was on top. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. all these bands were, had the pentagram and everything like that. Kids were listening to them at home. The idea of human sacrifice and stuff like that came from, you know, like things like Texas. There were, you know, there were rituals that took place through a lot of these, you know, um, cartel groups, you know, people down there. And they simulated sometimes, you know, a satanic ritual. The same thing has happened at fucking colleges that are Ivy League gear going into a fraternity and you're going to be a brother. They'll simulate a satanic sacrifice actually yeah. make you like cut, cut open a chicken and it's fucking funny, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's not real. Those people are probably, you know, believing in a deity. It's still non-theistic. It's just like an act. Yeah. So let's find a way to make this make us money. And that's when Satanism became mainstream as a satanic panic. Yeah. And that's when the doctor, the doctors started getting involved. A lot of therapists that were quickly licensed through unaccredited universities, they somehow found loopholes in the system to get their medical license. Jack, what are you eating? What is that? Uh, let me go see what that is. What the fuck is that? What is that? Oh, you know what that is? That is a, uh, a cut-off piece of... Um, um, from uh, that's an extra little piece of uh, uh, the glass, a fiberglass. Yeah, he should not be eating that. So that's why. That's why I took that away. Jesus Christ! He did not like that. But that, yeah, that's Jack. Come here. This is this is the best interview I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Fucking Jack! <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> He's sitting there smiling. Um, but but yeah. So so like um, so I think we're saying is like. Satanism kind of got a bad rap because some people who might not have been uh, psychologically uh, or mentally uh, healthy did some stuff in the name of that because they heard some 100%. stuff on a record and it yeah. just, it just the the whole panic part of it took off from there because we even had that here in Freetown like where there was like satanic cults like oh, yeah. you know, operating Teen teenagers and, listening to Judas Priest that, yeah yeah or those that kid that listened to um. What's that song by Ozzy? He listened to it backwards and I thought he said, get the gun, get the gun, shoot, yeah, shoot, yeah, shoot. Yeah, yeah, But he sang it in the song. He was telling it to him. So he took a fucking shotgun to his own yeah, face. Yeah. Things like that. They, the, the pharmaceutical world and doctors, these unaccredited people, Jack, get over here. They use that to um, prescribe medications to people that they were making money off of. And one of those things that... I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. He's very obsessed with because it does look like a dog toy. So it does. That's that's why. Yeah. 
False memory syndrome. That's a great example. Or, you know, disassociative identity disorder. Now, disassociative identity disorder has been around since people got, you know, really got focused on when people came back from the Vietnam War. They had PTSD so bad, and they were trying to be members of society when the world was changing, and it was the 60s and 70s. Everyone was fucking each other naked everywhere and weird shit, fun stuff. But then they had to, they had to um, find a way to weaponize that. Mm. Sorry, I keep getting distracted by my dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got something else as well. I'm going to put him in the other room if that's okay. Yeah, you, you know what? I have a little uh, pen over here for, for Freya. You do? Yeah, we can, we can put him in there. Um, let me just pause this. All right, we're back. We had to, you had to go let Jack out a little bit. <laughs> we did. He was starting to get a little nosy. Get a little nosy. But yeah, and, um, he's a good boy, though. He's a good boy. He's a really good boy. Yeah. He stands right here. Yeah, he, he knows we're talking about him. He does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we were just talking a little bit about the, uh, I think before we signed off here uh, for a second, we were talking about the satanic panic stuff and how that kind of um, furthered maybe modern um, misconceptions of um, Satanism, at least in the regards to the Church of Satan uh, so part of it. We could, Baudelaire, you ever heard of him? Flowers of Evil, wrote The Flowers of Evil. So that came out. I've heard of it. I'm not familiar with it yet. That's like a shock rocker. It's time. Yeah. Uh, reactive Satanist, as you call it. Um, so in the music industry, we had people like Ozzy, you know, yeah. King Diamond, all these people. This is what the public saw. And the public saw a guy bite the head off a bat. So some kids probably emulated it. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. it was fucking awesome at the time. I've seen him. Like, I don't even know. But the idea of that, when kids were growing up Catholic and they're listening to these things and their parents are like, there's something wrong with my kid, they would send them to these psychotherapists who would misdiagnose them as having disassociative identity disorder. And that turned into, we're going to hypnotize them. And that also affects the world of UFOs. I think that it, when people were hypnotized by like John Mack and they, he says that they were abducted. Yeah. It's false memories that he was implanting into their heads so he could make money off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I, I've that, heard that before too. Like, cause people even say that they think that was going on even as early back as like Benny and Barney Hill and stuff. Mm -hmm. That might've been the case. Yeah. And with them now, from what I heard about John Mack, he would go to UFO conferences and get completely fucked up on shit like acid and just like <laughs> try and like hit on every, every, every lady that walked in the door. Yeah, yeah. You know, the guy was having a grand time. Of course he was making up bullshit. Yeah. He wanted to keep the party going. Exactly. So a lot of these doctors ended up having a yearly thing called the ISSTD, the international study of trauma and disassociation. So you get all of them into a room and they're all making money off of all of these pharmacies, all these kids that are getting overprescribed and told that they have been abducted by cults and they're satanic and they were giving them blood rituals. And it's just a really fucked up thing. And it gets into mainstream culture. And that's when you create a panic. And that's why it was a satanic panic at the time. And it still goes on to this day where there are these people that misdiagnose them, like Dr. Colin Ross 
of the Ross Institute in Texas. He'll do that. They, one of the, he believed that like fucking laser beams are coming out of his eyes. He's a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that combined with a couple of people. The Mick not, Martin trial was going on with Geraldo and all yeah, that shit. Yeah. yeah. So that com- compiled with people maybe not being totally um, pictures of mental health and uh, it all uh, was kind of like a perfect storm. A hundred percent. And and how did that affect things like um, within like the satanic uh, you know world like like the group itself or the or like the church like how did how did it affect things like how does that stuff like does it I think it it opened the doors for Satanism I think it made Anton Lavey money yeah. people wanted that book even more when it came out people were really interested it's a fun new thing but they weren't talking about satanic cults back then it was like Jane Mansfield and Sammy Davis Jr. coming out publicly saying, oh, we, we love the Church of Satan. Yeah. And they're in this like kind of retro atomic age kind of world where, you know, it was like mid-century. And then it switched to that around the 1980s. Yeah. Like Motley Crue was coming out and Iron Maiden. All of a sudden, that was the narrative of the world. Yeah. So that's when I started getting into it was in the 90s because I'm like, this thing is fucking taboo. It's cool. I'm reading about this in like, like, Time Magazine or something, or seeing it on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, it's fucking interesting. I'm gonna, you know, there's rockers coming out saying they're reverends of the Church of Satan. This is fucking cool. I'm gonna do this. So that's how I ended up getting involved in Satanism. It's through watching reactive Satanists talk about it publicly. Yeah, and we don't know if they privately practiced it or not. They were just tagging it onto their their. Their world. To they were just adopting money. it or yeah. just saying it. Yeah, like Damianda Gallus, the performance artist from New York, you know, she did The Lenities of Satan, which is a, it's a poem written by uh, Baudelaire, I think. And uh, things like that, you know? Yeah. Because it is interesting, kind of what you're saying, too, is if you look at it, uh, you know, in Anton LaVey's time, it was a little... I don't, I'm not saying goofy, but it was campy. Like, it was a lot of showmanship. Yeah, it, it was. was. It was funny. It was like theatrical. It was theatrical. And then when, you know, things like death metal and stuff came out, like, that world, it seemed like a little more intense and darker. <laughs> and, it did. And violent versus, like, just, like, kind of campy, you know? Like, but he was, a, he was like a showman, right? Like, he was a showman. Yeah. You know, he was the, he was the, epit- he was the, the dark black pope. Yeah. The, the biggest Satanist in the world. Yeah, and like you were saying, it was like he, he had no end of like Hollywood celebrities that were hanging out and all the time until the satanic panic really hit. And it wasn't until like the murders of Richard Ramirez that that's when Satanism started to get looked at as well. There's this guy; he's a terrible fucking creepy serial killer. He's got Pentagon Ram on his hands. Yeah, this is this is what our kids are going to turn into if they keep listening to this. Yeah. And even he went and visited the Church of Satan, apparently. He was waiting, and he wouldn't, st- wouldn't stop until Anton LaVey came out and talked to him, apparently. I heard different versions of the story. I'm sure Zandora can confirm them all with you. Yeah. Uh, some people say it never happened, or he, didn't, or he came out with a fucking shotgun and said, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I don't know who you are. He did that a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, you know. Like, well, you know, something like that, you know. It's going to attract... All kinds of people, right? Mm-hmm. Some more stable than others. Exactly. A lot of unstable people. I 
found out later that I'm actually stable. (laughs) (laughs) But like, believe it or not. (laughs) So in the, you know, in the church of Satan, like when stuff like that happens, when there is like serial killers claiming Satanism or and stuff like, how is it? Like, do you guys, is it like, fuck, we got to deal with this now? Like, or is it like something like you guys just obviously disassociate with that or like, like a hundred percent, the satanic temple will usually make a statement on Twitter. Lucian will make a statement being like, this is absolute fucking bullshit. You know, you know, he'll go on a show and he'll talk about it. Something like that as an example, like they're sticking, Satanism is sticking up for itself. Yeah. We don't need to go back into that way of thinking. And there's still places that you can go to in the United States where it's like, if you aren't into God, you know. Yeah. Well, so like with the temple, I mean, that's, is there like a revival? It seems like there's some kind of, I don't, I don't know if revival is the right word, but like, um, there seems to be growing interest in Satanism. Like, cause like, I see those stickers, like I was telling you earlier, I see the stickers for that temple like everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, um, is, is there something like, what, what do you, is it, are you guys seeing like a lot of growth and what do you think is contributing to that? Um, I think the people are really re- like resonating their feelings with the satanic temple and they're starting to believe in, you know, a lot of the tenets that are being said as well. And a lot of the reproductive rights campaigns that are going on is definitely what's up, you know, it's fucked up. We're living in a culture where that was like Roe versus Wade was fucking law was passed. And now it's being reversed. What else is going to be reversed on us? You know, why are you taking something away that was already given to us as a, is not a gift, but are, you know, a way of human life, you know, what, why, why do that? This is not right. When you take that away, what the fuck is next? <laughs> well, there's a lot of, uh, there's no shortage of liberties that are being infringed upon nowadays. I know. Uh, you, you know, and it's like incrementally a little bit more and more, um, you know, there's, you know, how much free speech is there really? You know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah, there's free speech, but you could be censored or, or uh, uh, banned for saying things, you know, like, so, it, you know, there's all kinds of, uh, there's all kinds of uh, uh, liberty backtracking going, you know? Um, yeah, there really is. But so, you know, how did you get involved, you know, as being a kid who picks up a satanic Bible, um, like, how did you go about getting involved into, like, getting more active within, within like, you know, I guess for the church, you know what I mean? Like, it's because yeah. I know you've, you've been involved in it for a long time, and you, I know you, for a while, you were very tight with uh, Anton LaVey's grandson, Stanton, mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But, like, how did you go about for being some kid in Massachusetts that picked up the Bible, the, the satanic Bible from, from Anton LaVey to being someone that is actively involved in the organization of it? Yeah. So, MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> but also, the, the thing is, is when Anton died, the Church of Satan technically died, and it got bought out, and it became just a, a symbol. I never pay, wanted to pay the fucking dues to get the little membership card. I didn't care about that. I cared about, you know, what the Church of Satan represented, especially in the beginning. I thought that was fucking amazing. And the imagery of it, the shock value of it, the reactiveness to people. So through several different people, a friend of mine, 
I ended up meeting Stanton and Zandora. Zandora is one of my best friends. So we ended up, because we're the same age, all becoming like inseparable. And they both, you know, mostly her, it was, it was her who wanted this to become a new a thing again, like the old school LaVey Satanism, the imagery of it, the mid-century modernish kind of, kind of imagery, you know, Jane Mansfield's and Sammy Davis Jr.'s bringing that back, you know, with new kind of artists and stuff like that. But it was also a way to say, fuck you to the satanic panic yeah. because the satanic panic had destroyed any imagery of Satanism. So this is an early precursor to something like the satanic temple. So that's what we were trying to create at the time and try and help people that were going through things that could want to go learn about Satanism in a safe environment. And that's something that I think Stanton could not provide, which is why I wanted to distance myself a hundred percent from that guy. Yeah. And I found that to be more dangerous than the most dangerous dude I know on the streets because that way of thinking is a way to get people hurt, innocent people hurt. Mm. You know, you don't need a leader being like that in the world. Yeah. And, uh, when I eventually started wanting to come up with this idea of doing a fucking crazy production, it was originally called something stupid like Black Arches or something like that. I'm sure you read about that in the yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it became like this tribute to evil thing. And a tribute to evil thing was something that, like, based off of that, Sandora and Stanton and me kind of came up with. And that's how we had this event. It was this event on Hollywood Boulevard at the Fonda Theater on June 6, 2006. We sold the fucking place out, even beyond capacity, because everybody in L.A. wanted to get in that didn't have to buy a ticket because you just walk in the back door if you knew somebody, you know? Yeah, yeah. So there was like two, 3,000 fucking people crammed into this building, into the lobby and all this shit. It was insane. Upstairs, the balcony upstairs. It was just, it was really fucking wild party. Yeah, yeah. And I had to separate myself from Stanton shortly after that because I started to notice the worst side of somebody. And I did not want that worst side being in charge or giving into the, the world of Satanism. I had to step back and be like, I can't fucking do this. No. Yeah. And I left my whole life out there to come back here to start over again. And I had already done that several times at restaurants. So it wasn't as hard as people think. Yeah. But that's kind of a, a theme that's kind of run through your life, right? Like it is having to restart and, mm -hmm get someplace and then not, you know, whether I'm sorry, I'm looking at, I'm looking at him. Oh, he's fine. Yeah. He, he's digging out under one of the motorcycle tires. I'm like, ah! <laughs> yeah, what are you eating? He doesn't like that. He ate a, a nail. Oh yeah. Bro, that would, that's no good. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't eat anything bad. No, I, I didn't see him smile. He like, he just grabbed it right when you, when you, uh, I know <laughs> you got it. So, um, but he was trying hard to get it. I was like, what, what is he getting over there? Um, but yeah, man, it's something you've had to work your way up and start over and, you know, um, but you, you've, you've, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just got derailed. So I'm sorry. <laughs> <Me too>. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor dude. Fucking look at him though. He wants it. He wants it back. He's not getting you, it back. You can't have that. Dude. Lay down. What's the matter with you? Lay down, baby. Come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. So, uh, 
Satanic Chef. What what you got a book, right? You um, I did. You got two books. Well, you got you got one kind of your life story, and one that's a, a, a satanic cookbook. What what constitutes a satanic cookbook? Bringing all those ideologies into a kitchen, wanting to have fucking fun with it, wanting to have fun with it professionally. When I run my kitchen, I am not like the character you see. I'm very quiet. I treat people exactly how I was treated, but with a lot more compassion. You know, I'm yeah. smiling. I don't yell at people. I'm not into that shit. That's how you lose people. Sure. I'm strict, professional, and that's how I deal with my clients. And I own a catering company and do private dinners all around New England and beyond. So uh, I, I think that I'm having fun with it, with the cookbook, and I'm doing things that are fun, like lighting Bibles on fire and coming up with ideas that I've done after doing maybe a satanic ritual at my house throughout the pandemic, you know, fun shit like that. And that's yeah. how it became a satanic cookbook. And that's how like the satanic chef was built. I knew this was going to be a character that just did like demonstrations and fun things like that. But I am essentially living the character's life Yeah, in a safe, <laughs> definitely in a non-toxic way. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the sobriety that I have. So that, that is definitely where the Satanic Chef comes into play. Now, the whole idea of the Satanic Chef doing these like things came about when I lost my job. I was working at this amazing place. If anybody's in Cambridge, go to Revival. Nookie the Chef, he was a friend of mine. I was working for him. You know, it was like, you can use our facility for your cool events that you got going on. And then COVID started and I lost my job. Yeah. And it was a perfect job. It was a nine to five. So I had to get creative and I started doing these videos, filming them with a friend of mine that worked there. And then we started editing them down and put them out on the satanic temple.tv, which is their streaming web service. Yeah. And I started doing live events through them where we would have an online event. People would log in because it's fucking COVID. People wanted to see that. And they all interact with each other in other rooms of this thing that they built called the estate. It was fucking amazing. Yeah. And it was like, I'm actually performing in front of an audience. So you're doing, putting on a cooking show, but with like a little bit of pageantry around it. Exactly. I'm building up my whole kitchen. So it's got like cool shit around. And like, I've got a drape that goes over the front door. And like, I got intro music that comes out like a fucking pro wrestler and light <laughs> a Bible on fire and do a cooking demonstration. And it really came into something fucking awesome. I love doing that shit. So, cause I know people are going to ask, but when you, when you light a Bible on fire, what does that represent to you? Like for, for what's the, the kind of like the reasoning for that for you? For me, yeah, no. they're living in a world of pluralism, yeah. you know, because they want to take something away from that. We all need to coexist as one. Why just have it be one thing? And unfortunately, the right conservative movement is so brainwashed that they want to help the church even more than they want to help themselves and other people. So you see a lot of that happening in politics nowadays. And it's fucking surprising it's even happening now. Mm. This is shit that people were talking about back in the 80s and 90s. It's like we're going backwards in time as a society. And even if there was something out there that's watching us, imagine what they're fucking saying. They're like, yeah, you guys are backtracking. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You mean... We're you not going to help you with anything. <laughs> something extraterrestrial or interdimensional yeah. if they're watching us. Yeah, and that's a scientific way of thinking. You know, yeah. if there's a higher intelligence, why help this people? It was the same way with cultures. You know, you have a more technological culture looking at another culture. Why help them there? Or running around a fire. Yeah. 
They're dangerous. They're dangerous. Uh, yeah, let's, you know, it's, it's common sense knowledge. And that's where being a Satanism feels that I want to stand up for those rights that people deserve to have. I live in a pluralistic society. You know, yeah. it's what we want. So the, a quick, I, I don't know if we answered this, but like um, your, in your just gut reaction or gut instinct, do you think, you know, the things we classify as non-human intelligence, do you think it's extraterrestrial or interdimensional or something else that's here? Like, what, what, what's your personal take on it? Just curious. I have no idea. No idea. It yeah. That's been. how I am. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, what is this? Could it have been a supercomputer that was built thousands of years ago by a civilization that was around? And this yeah, is yeah. like the, the aspects of it. Is it interdimensional? Is it extraterrestrial? Yeah. You know, I, I tend to want to believe it's something otherworldly. Have you, have you ever contacted anything like during meditation? Cause I know like, you know, there's, there's things now like where it's like not even attached to any specific religious event, but I know, um, you know, like people talk about DMT and, and talking to some kind of entity yeah. when they're on DMT or even like, you know, like Buddhist monks go someplace or talk someplace, talk to other entities when they're, when they're at a certain level of meditation, it's almost like a DMT or mushroom trip. You know what I mean? Right. Cause they're, they're, stimulating their pineal gland yeah. which helps them which is also what really kicks in after when they start to die and it flashes their entire life in front of them so you're yeah. essentially having a near-death experience when you go through that and people think that your consciousness somehow is being able to leave your body through that it might be true i don't personally want to i i personally my own personal beliefs about that yeah sure it, it probably might be because meditation and consciousness is a lot pow more powerful than using technology or even sure. shooting a gun. And as a culture, we're taught not to evolve using that. You know, I wasn't taught to meditate growing up. The yeah. first time I did it was in karate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? No, but I'm saying for you, have you ever like meditated with, or, you know, I know you said you had at some point, like in the, your book that you did some ritual to try and contact entities, but have you ever, you know, and even I think off, Seen off, one? off topic, I, I mean, not tough, not, not off topic, but I think even um, not, I think when we were at Jimmy's wake, you had mentioned, we talked about CE5 really quick or something, but yeah. like, have you ever been in contact with some other intelligence like through meditative or some kind of ritualistic means i've had experiences that i can't explain yeah i have gone outside and seen things in the sky and videotaped it afterwards yeah. and been like holy shit this could be real and if it's something as simple as something like a ce5 meditation which is a meditation that you use to try and contact other entities it's the same thing of you know meditating on your own, what are you actually contacting? You're contacting another form of your consciousness. Uh, the Monroe Institute, as we know, it's very famous for their technique of trying to do astral projection. And the CIA was involved with them back in the 70s where they would get people to try and do remote viewing. Yeah. There's a movie about it. Yeah, I know. George all, Clooney. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and anyone thinks that that's all weird or conspiracy, I mean, that's all declassified. You know what it I mean? Is. Like, it is. Like, the CIA was involved in in, um, in all kinds of uh, astral projection, um, uh, 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 remote viewing, um, all the all kinds of things that, uh, you know, are typically of, of, uh, labeled uh, occult practices. You it know is. what I mean? And, uh, um, and all occult means is, like, 
secret knowledge or unknown knowledge or you know what I mean. It doesn't a hundred percent. But it's um, spiritual. Yeah. Jack's trying to talk about it. <laughs> Jack's so. into it. What do you think, buddy? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So but like um, so yeah, and and for for anyone that when we say CE five, that's um, that's a uh. That's in the world of UFOs. That's not a satanic, satanic thing. No, it's um, not. It's um, a it's a practice made by a doctor named Dr. Stephen Greer. Greer he yeah. came up with it, and he still practices it to this day. And they have an app where you can get guided through it. It's a great guided meditation. Guided yeah. meditations are amazing. Yeah. I discovered them during COVID. I had not known about one until I was 40 years old. Yeah, yeah. Like, doing that by myself, like, a guided meditation, whether it was online with somebody or something like that, that helped me focus better in the day. It helped me get through my day. Sure. You know, people do it all the time, especially endurance runners, people that are bodybuilders, you know, people that are successful. That's, that's, that, that's your spiritual side. And that's a lot different than believing in something, a deity. Yeah. I think that's completely fine if you are involved in something like Satanism to do. Yeah, no. Actually, let me ask you this: like, it's like martial arts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to, just to backtrack a little bit, because I'm sure because you mentioned a couple times things about like satanic rituals. Like, what what's typically, and I know it might be different for different things, but what are like some common satanic rituals, and what what what's kind of involved in that? Because um, just to you know, because I'm sure there's like an air of mystery around that, and and um, if you know, maybe misinformation about that for people. Cause I'm sure people are like, Oh, they sacrifice and uh, humans or something for it. But like, yeah. You, and you know. you know what? The satanic ritual is a ritual that's been written out and tested by other individuals. It could be a destruction ritual, which is my favorite ritual. It's like taking something, writing it down on a piece of paper that you want to forget and then burning it and burning it in a sense where it's ritualistic, you know, some people might take that and put a more theatrical sense into it, where it's burned into, put into a bowl, and then dipped in something else, and then burned or buried. And that's the way ritual is. It's a way to really erase something like that from your memory. That's important. So like a bad memory or, or yeah. a traumatic event or something. This is why I also burn the Bible, because that's a traumatic event for a lot of people. Sure. And it's, yeah, very uh, st a striking visual for, for, for people. Especially like a normal society, it really is. Whether someone's a Christian or not, it's a it's a probably a pretty striking image, right? A hundred percent. I think that I think that doing a ritual is a good way of helping your mental health. You know, nobody, everyone wants to be tough and be like, I'm going to go into work today and do a sixteen hour, get drunk, go back to work the next day. Fuck you. You don't take time. You don't take a day off. You're fucked. Your work is going to be stressful, you know? I, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to fuck it up. And yeah, yeah. You're going to yeah. be in trouble because yeah. you fucked up something for a client. And, they're, you know, that's going to cost you a failure. Yeah. It's the failure of knowing that you failed and you fucked up. Yeah. And, you know, rituals are about not letting that happen to you. Mm. In, in, interesting stuff, man. Um so you're, you're um, kind of dipping into that world, whether it's the world of like um, 
you know, fine dining or also the the world of like the church of Satan. Mm-hmm. You've had, you've had some good adventures and an interesting life. Like, <laughs> you know, in your book, um, in your book, the, there's a lot going on and you've, you got to, you, you've been at, uh, all kinds of like interesting events or like hung with interesting people and stuff like, you know, anything else on your journey that like, you know, stories that pop out or, um, interesting things that you want to share or things that we didn't talk about. A hundred percent. I got great stories. <laughs> I know, man. That's what I'm saying. Like anything you wanted to talk about that we haven't already hit on. Cause you know, I think we've, we've talked about all kinds of shit, man. We've talked about Satanism. We talked about chef stuff. We've talked about, uh, Alien stuff. Uh, yeah, we have <laughs> alternate, uh, alternate, uh, def- uh, alternate um, theories of uh, past human uh, societies mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and advanced, ad- more advanced societies. And notice that nothing I'm believing in is technically paranormal, which is like fairy tale. Yeah. So, so you, we had talked about that real quick earlier. Like, you know, I um, also keep those personal beliefs separate from what I do in Satanism. Like, sure, sure. You know, it's just. Because it's personal to you, right? Yeah, it is. What 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 were you what were you talking? You you had mentioned something earlier about like dispelling like thoughts of like paranormal stuff. You were saying something earlier of like that, or you when you just said now like notice none of this was paranormal. Like yeah, go, can you fantasy? Okay, fantasy. Like you watch the X Files. There's that episode where there's satanic cults and there is a demon inside of somebody. Just a little closer. Oh, to sorry. Yeah, yeah. You know something like that. You know that's bullshit. You know exorcisms that's fairy tale shit yeah to me like what is real there someone's just making money off of that okay you know it's showmanship so you you don't believe in like demonic possession no it's means to demons say that what if it's so, you know <laughs> yeah no i'm just curious it, like what like you know what i mean it's like it's like i think that is that like a mental demon, illness i would call it I would call it mental illness, untreated mental illness. If somebody is acting like that, you really should take them to a medical professional and not call your priest and have them come over and do something to try and fix them. Because most likely that person is going to end up hurting themselves or somebody else around them at some point of their lives. Yeah. And people like that are easily preyed on by a lot of these religions to get them to do things, to donate money to them, to give up their entire fucking houses, you know, and themselves. And that's the sad part about the paranormal world is that people will believe in that shit. And I think that as a human being, you should really look at the facts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you, what are your thoughts on like ghosts and things like that? I mean, personally, yeah, personally, I'm probably going to get in trouble with some people for saying this, but no, it's fine. I mean, if you, if I, I don't, if I don't know, but I've seen some shit. Okay. I can't explain. Yeah. I've seen weird shit. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I can't say that they were past humans or if it's a crossover into like another dimension or something, but you know, paintings or dry erase boards don't just fly off a fucking door and hit the other wall across the hall. Yeah. yeah. In college being like, what the fuck did I just see? Yeah. 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 Could be, I don't know, an energy portal. I don't know, man. It's, it's just unexplained. It needs to be scientifically proven. For now, there's a fantasy world of it. And I like watching movies that are based around that. Like, I watch horror movies all the time. Yeah. I know it's all bullshit. Yeah, it's, it's entertainment, not, not science. It really is. Yeah. It's fun. It's very interesting to me. I didn't realize that the, um, the you know, that the, uh, how non, really non-theistic uh, 
you know, this branch of Satanism was, you know what I mean? Like, cause there's so much imagery that involves, you know what I mean? Like dark things, I guess, for lack of a better word, you know what I mean? Like dark entities, yeah. but it's like, it's just, just that, right? It's just, it's a way of showing compassion to each other around you and getting through your own problems and trying to erase them from your lives. A lot of the times, Yeah, you know, a lot of us have been through some shit. Sure. And we want to forget it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't realize, you know, because it's, it's so tied to like devils and demons and yeah. fucking, you know what I mean? Like, and just things like that. That's it's very interesting that that it, uh, it's not. Are there like just are there like kind of rogue branches of Satanism that do get more involved in that stuff? You know what I mean? Like there are. I don't really pay attention to any of them. Okay, they, it's just bullshit to me yeah it's yeah. all crazy stuff and it's usually by somebody who's not very mentally stable and they're writing something for attention yeah i see a lot of that and they're usually trolls online sure. nobody does stuff in public anymore they just want to go and comment on somebody's twitter as a something reverend of their own made-up church of something or other satanic buttholes or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. and then people ask me do you know this person he's a satanic priest they say and i'm like I don't know who the fuck this person is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's just a lot of, lot of stuff, a lot of weirdness. Um, what do you? Um, I know uh, you had mentioned something. I think it was in your book. I don't remember if it was in the book or something we talked about. Because I've always been interested in uh, the Process Church. Yeah, the Tarsus Church of the Final Judgment. Yeah, Peter yeah. Gilmore. Yeah, not the, Peter. I was sorry. Yeah, that's, no, no. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's the Church of Satan. Yeah. Like Timothy Wiley and all those yeah. people. Yeah. They were cool. I um their imagery in their books like of like, you know, that they would put out back in the day is a uh, is like like their old zines and stuff. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Like the art, wild. the art is like fucking great. Um did did um I love that stuff. Those books go for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Oh yeah. Oh well, the originals, yeah. yeah. You can get they have like the reprint. Like they got but, a Yeah, and they they're their concept on life is basically like God and Satan are the same thing. And yeah, you know, it's the process church of the final judgment. And they had all the, you know, the, the German shepherds and everything like that is yeah. their imagery. And, uh, George Clinton became friends with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so wild. Like again, sixties and seventies, just fucking wild times, man. Like, uh, you know, crazy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, was it, as, did, have you ever like, was there something in your book about that, or did we talk about that? I can't remember. <laughs> um, I don't know why it popped in my head. I believe I talked about the Process Church of the Final Judgment. Uh, when I met Lucian, he, of the Satanic Temple, he was involved in that, okay. helping try and get, like, bring it back in a cool level. Yeah. And I was doing the same thing with Levain Satanism, but on a safer level. Yeah. And that's how we became friends. I messaged the guy on MySpace because I was flying back to Boston. He called my phone within an hour. We were going, going bar to bar, partying, and ended up in Chinatown at 4 o'clock in the morning and did it again a couple weeks later. And we, yeah. were, we were buddies. And then I moved back here, and all my friends had either dispersed or moved away. You know, moving, that's what happens when you grow up. Yeah. He was one of the newer people that I met of my new life. Yeah. And my new life also consisted of people that I worked with. People that, you know, at Selda La Terre, they became my family or at the restaurant I worked at before. Yeah. Uh, so 
you know. I got to imagine that if you're doing, like, the work involved in one of those kitchens, especially if you guys are doing, like, these 17-hour days routinely, there's got to be some kind of bond there that is beyond, like, a normal, regular 9-to-5 job. 100%. It's like a family you joined, and they're there for you, and you're there for them. And if something happens in the family, like there's a somebody dies, which has happened before at the restaurant I worked at, uh, we lost a couple people. It's very devastating. It's it's worse than anything I could even I could tell you. And I've never experienced that in the work setting until that happened. That's shit that they don't teach you at culinary school. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is this is life lessons. Yeah. And it's good to, to work through them because somebody you know is going to go through the same thing and you have to be there to help them just like they have to learn to help somebody else. Mm. Just like I'm helping out my dog. <laughs> <laughs> or your dog's helping you. Oh, he's definitely helping yeah, me yeah, out. Yeah. He gets me in shape. I walk him around all the time, walk him for miles. He's a good boy. Yeah. He's a hound, so he gets tired from sniffing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why he's getting all tuckered out. He sniffed everything around. Yeah, there. yeah. It's it's bananas though. Like, the, what is it? They, their sense of smell is five hundred times mm-hmm. great, greater than ours. Like something like five million times. They can smell into the ground forty feet deep into concrete and all that stuff. Yeah, he's smelling the remnants of that thing we threw away. He keeps coming, jumping up <laughs> on the he's, table looking for it. He's obsessed with it. Yeah, it ain't there, buddy. This dog is this dog is something else. Yeah. So, um, it's you know, I think a lot of Satanists they say that. They're involved in like animal cruelty and stuff like that's absolutely fucking bullshit. All Satanists I know, most of them have either been vegetarian or vegan. Uh, and, you know, they all love animals. I, don't, I, I think anybody that we talk about evil, anybody that treats an animal poorly or hurts something, they're innocent creatures that brought into our lives and we're, we're here to help them grow and live a wonderful life and yeah that's evil when people do that sure but then again that's part of the you work in the board now buddy <laughs> he's sniffing the board yeah, sniffing. <laughs> um, <laughs> this guy's too much um but i guess that's again part of the misconception right like yeah that it's animal or human sacrifice and mm-hmm. blah 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 and just cruelty and evilness and stuff where it's all yeah all animals are con- Created sacred. Even Anton LaVey talked about it. That was one of his most important points. The guy had a fucking lion. Kogar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, 60s and 70s, the shit you could get away with. I know. This guy's going to the grocery store with this fucking lion. <laughs> <laughs> fucking bananas, man. Like, I was born in the wrong period, man. I wish I was, like, 23 or something in, like, 1966. You know what I mean? Like Me, me too. I kind of wish it now. Yeah, yeah. It's just... Things were a lot expensive. The, the motorcycle Beatles, world was was infinitely oh. cooler. Like fucking, mm-hmm. the world was less fucking was more free. Believe it or not, you know what it I mean. It was. There was less government regulation on every fucking as, uh, aspect of your life. Like a lot more compassionate people back then. Between yeah, there was a beings. lot more. Yeah, but there was also a lot more fucking dumb shit too. Like, there was. You know, yeah, but was, they regulated it, and that's yeah what ended up happening. That's. Life in this country, unfortunately. So what's next, man? You, you got yeah. You you always seem to have something. Uh, I'm writing another book. It's called Bafana. It's based off of uh, a, you know this fairy tale, an Italian culture 
of a witch. It usually comes around Christmas time and gives you out treats and stuff like that. And I had worked in the North End for three years. Uh, I loved it there, and there was all these talks about it over the years. And I, I fucking love the North End. It's oh, yeah. my favorite place to go yeah. in Boston, you know. If you're not from Boston and you come into Boston for some reason... Go eat in the North End. You, you can pretty much go anywhere. Just, yeah. just, just walk down Hanover Street and then just walk around a few block radius and just go in one place. You will not be upset. 100%, especially if you're coming from New York. They, they're, you know, their little Italy is a lot different than ours. Yeah. Ours is more like preserved. Yeah. I, I love that. It's like one of the last sections of town that has kind of stayed, hasn't gotten corporatized yet. It hasn't because they're, you know, and they won't like, yeah, like, they, it, the pre- neighbor- people are dug in there. Like they ain't going. Yeah. The business association there, the, everybody there, the owners, the yeah. homeowners associations, all of them, they, they do not want anything corporate coming in. It's fucking great. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Chinatown. Some of that's still there. It is. But the, those two sections of town, it, they're the least gentrified, least corporatized, least, uh, you know, sterilized areas. A hundred percent. I do think that, you know, Alston, uh, it's sad what's going on with the yeah. community there, but I think it will bounce back in some sort of a way. I, I hope there's a revival of, you know, or not a, I don't know what the right word is, but there's a rebellion against fucking, you know, gentrification. I think, uh, you know, the city definitely needs to, to look at that. They're destroying a lot of, the arts. I mean, Great Scott is a fucking Taco Bell, dude. Like, it's so that's, fucking weird. That's the biggest. I have no idea what's <laughs> going on there. <laughs> it's the biggest slap in the face, you know what I mean? Like, not that I went to a ton of stuff at Great Scott, but it was a good fucking venue, you know what I mean? Like, it was fucking awesome. Yeah, it's fucking. You know, you played there. You're playing to your family, your friends. It was your, you yeah. know, there was no backstage. Everybody that, that played there were just, you know. It out was and a, about. Yeah. Out and about. It was a different kind of place. There was no bullshit, ego, rock star shit going on there. It was, yeah, it was awesome. It was a different kind of club. I miss it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the problem is right is like if you look at Boston or New York, or, you know, or most cities like in the seventies and eighties into the early nineties, there was a lot more. There was a lot grit. There was a lot more grit. There was, and that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? Like there was a lot more crime. There was a lot more grit, but there was a lot more personality or there was a lot more like it was just they were it was cooler like it was was. there was more independent small business you know Mm -hmm. it wasn't like every corner was starbucks dunkin donuts fucking taco bell fucking they could have mcdonald's it was yeah there was a little bit of that but not it wasn't the predominant force like you know what i mean like like i remember times square was Sketchy electronic store, liquor store, yeah. liquor store, peep show, yeah. uh, porn store, <laughs> uh, strip club. Go there at 18. I'm like, what's and going then, on? And then that again, like it was just that same thing again. Sketchy electronic store. Yep. And then there'd be a dude in a van that was trying to sell you a VCR in a box or a camcorder. And it was just a brick in a box. Fake and, watches yeah, and all that yeah, stuff. Just fucking shenanigans. And now it's like Planet Hollywood, um, you know, some Disney fucking store, fucking whatever. And It's... Uh, it's uh, funded by corporate America. Yeah, what they want for to be moving into those neighborhoods. Yeah, with that money, and then the people that do have money that move there go, "This is fucked up." I, I don't. Yeah, and yeah. the, you know, it's just there needs to be a preservation of that in some sort of a way. 
protection. Yeah. Well, and you, you know, we brought up COVID and stuff before, and, and this is not dealing with the issue and the, the politics around COVID itself, but there, um, and I'm not talking about anything to do with the disease or the vaccines or any of that stuff, but that time period, there's never been a, a greater transfer of wealth in the whole entirety of human civilization. It's true. And people that had money made ungodly amounts of money. And then at the expense of uh, middle, middle and uh, uh, lower class. And um, they did. There's never been a greater divide. There has never been a bigger transfer of wealth. And um, 45 to plus percent of all U.S. small businesses permanently out of business. It's true. And a lot of billionaires are now five times more yeah. expensive than they ever were. Yeah. Well, because, you know, when you say mom and pop stores can't stay open and that people can't get together to see their family on Thanksgiving, but you can go to Walmart on Black Friday, sends a message like, you know what I mean? Like, who's the government repping? They ain't repping the people. They're repping, you know, who, who, who are they beholden to? You know what I mean? And you see, that's the beauty with, with growing up is, you know, hoping that somebody you're going to get new people that come into office. Fortunately, they're seeing this happen and make these changes. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's the only thing we can hope for now, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is that a new, that someone that politicians that actually give a fuck start coming up? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to hold my breath, but I'm going to, I'm going to hope, hope, hope that happens. You you see some good ones. There's more, there's a couple of good ones and they, they come in, you know, everyone, they're coming on the left and the right. You know what I mean? They are. There's good ones on both sides of the fence. And there's shitty ones. on There's there's way more shitty ones on both sides of the fence than there are good ones. But hopefully that the the, uh, the tide turns a little bit because that people start going, all right, enough's enough with all this fucking bullshit. Like, because yeah. we, I feel like we're getting to a breaking point. Like, I, I don't know if it's just a general feeling or if I just feel that way because I'm stressed the fuck out. But, um, yeah, I don't know. You don't need to see more of those fucking buildings popping up everywhere. You yeah. know? Yeah. It's just takes away the soul of a city. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, and you don't need a Starbucks on every corner. No, you, you can don't. Walk, you can walk a couple blocks um, no, or, or just find a little cafe that some couple or some dude or some woman opened. Go yeah. there. Yeah. They need your money more than. That's why I like going out to the suburbs and more than hanging out in the city on my days off. I like to go and support small businesses, go up to Concord a lot. Yeah. Got some a cool coffee shop that like hot coffee, hot, hot coffee or something yeah. like that. You know, I'll go around. I like doing that. I like helping out small businesses. Sure. The city feels a little bit corporate. Yeah. Nowadays. You know what I liked, uh, 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 what I respected in your book when you were talking about, like, you'd go to a town or wherever you were, you always made sure, like, you going out to eat was like doing research. It was. For your craft. It was. And you took it serious and you were like, all right, this is the taste profile of this, and how can I do this or make this better? Right, like you go to a you go to a town and you eat their version of a roast beef sandwich, and you might the first thing that comes out you might say this sucks, but that's just how they've been fucking doing it forever. Yeah. So that's that you're you're eating something really fucking cool. Yeah. That's an experience. Yeah. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be able to incorporate that into my my food. Yeah. It's about knowledge. What was the biggest, like, 
sorry. I wish we had the video for this because Jack was just sitting there so looking at both of us as we talked, like so in, into the conversation. As soon as we talked about food, he just was sitting there quiet looking. He's like, he knew. He, I know. Motherfucker knew we were talking about food. He's like, oh, he's, yeah. he's like, I'm into this. Food driven dog. <laughs> yeah, look at him. Now he's all over me. Um, but uh, like, as a chef, like, obviously you go to culinary school and you go work in different places. Like, like how did you, like how did you learn? Like, what were the biggest lessons? Like, how did how did you like? What were the biggest? Do, do, am I making sense? Yeah. In this, like, yeah. Like, what taught you the most? Was it me? Yeah. I taught myself. I was given a path. I was given the basics to work off of and yeah. work with. It's like you go and mu learn musical theory. That's not going to teach you to become a musician. You have yeah. to come up with it on your own. You have to deal with what comes with that. Yeah. So going out, working in the industry, being humble, keeping my head down, my mouth shut was the most important thing. If I, you know. That, dude, that, that industry is so fucking brutal. Like even when, when you were working at a place and you had a certain you had a you had a certain position and then the new regime came in, they're like, Oh, you're demoted and you're gonna still work the same hours, but we're only gonna pay you for this many hours. They work. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> How de demoralizing can that fucking be? But like you said, it you hurt. just you stuck it out and got what you needed from that place and, and then I did. went to the next one. I didn't want to leave that family. There yeah. were other people there that relied on me to yeah. be there. And I I waited until there was something in place. Yeah. I see a lot of kids nowadays not doing that repeatedly. That hurts me more. It's when people are like, oh, I'm giving my notice, but we really need you. Can you stick around and help us find somebody else? I saw, I've seen that happen. Oh, yeah. Or, and they're just like, yeah, well, my notice is like this weekend, so I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, whenever. But then it makes me hurt because I know that person's not passionate and that person doesn't care about even themselves. And yeah. they're going to do something to fuck themselves up. Mm. And it's now my name on their responsibility because they're going to look back on me as a leader. Yeah. Or you. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, yeah, I didn't, you know, the level of, uh, of passion in, in, in culinary arts is fucking, I didn't, I never realized it. You know what I mean? It's, it's until reading your book. Like, you know, and then yeah. a lot of things make sense. Like, you know what I mean? Like, cause you, you know, I, I worked as like dishwasher and stuff like yeah. in places, but then you see the cooks and it's like, all right, now that all this shit makes sense. Like I didn't pay attention to it as a dishwasher when I was a kid, you know <laughs> what I mean? But now owning a, a bar that has an open kitchen, like you can see some of that, like, cause we have a chef that like is our prep guy yeah. who's semi-retired. Well, he's mm -hmm. retired, but he works for us for a few hours, but he's been in the industry 40 years and his take on things is way different than like a kid we hired, you know what I mean? And yeah. It, you know, and we, you know, we hired people uh, to help us get set up and they promised us a lot of things and they walked out the first week. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and thought they were going to be irreplaceable and we had that motherfucker replaced the next day. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. still like, you know what I mean? Like different personalities, different levels of ego mm -hmm. and fucking whatnot. And um, it's a wild world, man. <laughs> That's why I look at people and I say, it's time for you to grow. And yeah. you're going to have to learn this. Do you want to grow? Do you want to become better? Do you want to become more successful? Yeah. You got to go through these things. Now, I'm going to start you off at the beginning, and then we'll move you up. A lot of people think that you're just going to go right to the top. Yeah. It's like that in a lot of things now, like tattooing. We were talking about this. I was talking this about this with Johannes on the last episode. Like, people don't want to do a proper apprenticeship anymore. They just want to 
stop tattooing and own a shop. Mm-hmm. It's like, bro, you've been tattooing a year and a half, like, and you're opening a shop. Yeah, I, I, I I'm quite aware. Yeah, it's like, it's like I don't know. That's not really how it should go. You know what I mean? Like, it's like they're trend on, on social media. Yeah, I'm not a trend on on TikTok. Yeah, much as these other guys that have never really had experience. But is that happening in like the culinary industry now? Yes, you see that more. Like, there's just a more people f- have this entitlement without work. a lot of yeah, a lot of people that decided to, they like to cook at home and they come up with a gimmick and a name and they yeah. make themselves something on TikTok and YouTube. I think a lot a lot of them that I watch that do that are awesome. Yeah. I think there's also those people that are doing it monetizing it. Yeah. And people are looking up to those people as actual leaders. Mm. And that's fucked. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, like I said like the thing that's given to you is never respected as much as the thing you earned, you know, like, and, and, or appreciated. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people that are trying to circumvent the earning part and just going right to the, 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 the you know, receiving part of things. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why you have so many people that appear and disappear because they only in the, only in there for a moment. It's in the music well, industry too. Yeah. When the well dries up, they're onto something else. Exactly. Yeah. It's a wacky world, man. Um, I think we we're gonna we're gonna have to do another one, man, where we get into some of the wacky stories and the fun stories. We are because uh, this one we this is a little heavy podcast. I think. Yeah, this <laughs> is gonna, this is good. <laughs> we got a heavy heavy conversation, and we had some uh, some uh, comic relief and input from Jack over there. It's the best thing in the world. <laughs> so I'm actually proud that I brought him. Yeah, when you were like, "Can I bring my dad?" I'm like, "I don't know, of course." I, you're like, he, "He can be loud," and I'm like. He's just going to contribute. He's just chilling. He did, yeah. He's, he's been just, good. He's not eating anything that can hurt him. No, no, no. He's just he's just investigating around. He just found that one thing that we couldn't let him have. Oh, and the nail. Yeah, he couldn't have the nail. Yeah. How did you, how, what are you doing? <laughs> good boy. He's just, he's interested. He'll sleep well tonight because he's, he's oh, going to. He, he will. He got a, he got a. He's hungry. Overloaded with the, I don't know, he, he smashed that bag of bacon uh, treats over there. Oh, he did. <laughs> you might have to deal with some uh, some loose stools later. I know, man. I, <laughs> the thing's boning a dog. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, yeah, with uh, Grim is 12 and requires a lot of care, man. But yeah, don't mind doing it, but it's like. Well, it's good that you're doing that and you're giving that dog a quality of life that somebody else wouldn't be able to provide. Yeah. Just like. I don't know if anybody would put up with Jack. <laughs> Why, man? He's easy, man. He's good. He's a good boy. <laughs> he's just excited. He's a very. And good he wants boy. attention, and he's like, "All right, what are you guys talking to those microphones for?" He's like, "Oh, he's talking about. He's like, talk about food again." <laughs> <laughs> Jack, you good boy? Yes. <laughs> well, so where can people find? Um, like, I know you have the the cookbook and mm-hmm. the um, the, uh, the 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 kind of like the your autobiography or life story book. Yep. Where, where can people find those? Uh, people can find a movable beast. They can find it on Amazon for now. Yep. Uh, until I find an actual distributor, I'm working on it. I'm trying to go down that road. Yeah. But for now you can buy it direct through Amazon and my cookbook. You can either, you can, you can go on the satanicchef.com and buy copies that way. I manually will send it out to you and the process of that takes about two weeks. So be yeah. patient. Yeah, it's, it's not Amazon. If you'd ordered it Monday, don't 
email them if you don't have it Tuesday afternoon. Relax. Exactly. Give it a couple of weeks. It's old school. You might get something <laughs> special in the mail, maybe a copy of my book. So <laughs> a movable beast. But, yeah. you know, I, I really hope that story gets out to people. Yeah. I want it, that to help people more than anything. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a very, um, you know, there's a lot you overcame. We didn't get into like, you know, with, like with alcoholism and stuff. And, yeah. Um, I, I, I've, it's a disease. Yeah. I've had a few friends be in the exact same boat and luckily they're all doing well. And it's a, it's always good to see a story where it has a good outcome instead of a bad outcome. I was trying to get a picture. of. Him. Oh, he's a good boy. <laughs> that's a, that's entirely true. I, 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 um, I really wish that some people would just take the time to realize how important they are to other people. Yeah. Yeah, man. And themselves. Yeah. Yeah, because unfortunately we started talking over at an unfortunate situation over at Awake. You know what I mean? Like I know we did over yeah. a dear friend. Yeah. And, uh, but um, if anybody needs to reach out to somebody, you can always try and message me. You can reach out to different groups. There's AA, NA. Um, you know, just come satanic sober faction now through the satanic temple. Uh, yeah. <laughs> come talk to Jack. Talk to Jack. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. All right. It was good talking to you today. Let's, yeah, let's have too. a part two coming up soon. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's do something. Um, you, you said you got a new book. Uh, how, how far are you with the new book? I'm at the beginning stages okay. right now. So what do you think, like another year or something? Probably, yeah. We can do something in between. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and what we'll do is after we get some, this will come out, and then we'll get some feedback and see what people want to hear more about. Okay. Getting into some good Danzig stories, man. Yeah, those are fun. <laughs> yeah. I think with somebody like Danzig, you a lot of people don't see, and I'm just going to say this, is a great leader, and people can learn a lot from that. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's getting ready to leave. I think he's ready to go get, get his ready food. To go. He's like, I'm fucking hungry. Let's do this. Let's wrap this up. So um, Instagram, the Satanic Chef. Satanic Chef official. Official, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And you can you. follow Devil Street Food Catering on there too. And you can find my website for catering, devilstreetfoodcatering.com. And you can reach out to me personally and I'll give you a quote. Okay. And what I'll do is... In the show notes, we'll have all that, um, so you don't have to remember it if you're driving. Mm -hmm. um, you just click. <laughs> <laughs> That's my sous chef right there. Yeah, dude, he's ready. Um, but yeah, man, so I'll have all that in the show notes for people to check out, and uh, thanks a lot for coming on. It was fucking good talk, man. We were all, we, we talked about all kinds of wacky stuff. Like, we did. Which is good. Um, and people love that. And, and our so, buddy, uh, buddy Jack right here. Yeah, dude, he's all over my lap while we're talking. Um, he's running back and forth between us. He's excited. He's ready to go home. He's ready to go. All right, so we'll, on that note, let's wrap this up here. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> all right, thank you. For, 